Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for movies that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, it's another foreign language film. That's right, we're right in the middle of watching a load of foreign language films, that is, films whose predominant language is not English, and we are having a jolly good time. And today, we figured that we'd stay in Japan after last week's visit to My Neighbor Totoro uh, to mark the passing of the screenwriter Shinobu Hashimoto. Uh, Apologies if there's any mispronunciation there. Uh, The legendary screenwriter passed away at the age of 100 last month, uh, and he was notable for bringing us several very important films, notably Seven Samurai and today's film, Rashomon. Joining me to review Rashomon, we have, as always, two guests, someone who has seen the film and somebody who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film and sat to my right, it's Patrick Downs. Hey, I'm back already. Yeah, back, back. How are you doing, Pat? (laughs) Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. Excellent. You've not seen Rashomon? No. No, I don't know anything about this movie. What do you think it's about? Um, swords? I'm hoping there's some swords in it. Um, mm. I don't know. I actually have no idea. The only thing I know is it's a Kurosawa movie. Mm-hmm. It's from like 1950. Correct. And I think there's like meant to be a big twist in it at some point, but maybe I'll be thinking of a different movie. I don't know. Okay. But that's, so that's, that's it. it. I have no idea what this movie is going in. Like Japanese cinema is a big black spot on my radar. Mm-hmm. So... The only movie I think, the only classic Japanese film I've seen is Yojimbo. Okay. Which is also Kurosawa. Yeah, it's also Kurosawa. And I think that's it. I saw that when I was studying film. So that's the only one I've seen. All right. I've no idea what this movie is about and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, uh, joining us to help shine some light on your uh, black spot that comes uh, (laughs) over Japanese cinema, it's Rihanna Hall. Hello. How are you, Rihanna? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing very well. And you have seen Rashomon. I have, yeah. Um, It was a couple of years ago now. I think I watched it um, during like media studies while I was at uni. Um, We sort of did like a, a different film each week. Um, I remember enjoying it like quite a bit, even mm. though I haven't seen it since then. So some bits might still be a bit um, not as fresh for me. Okay, well, I mean, I mean, it is interesting you say that, considering that one of the key things about this film is is to do with people's memories. Yeah, um, <laughs> it will be interesting seeing how that perspective is. But in a, in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way, um, what do you think Patrick can expect from Rashomon as someone who has no idea what's going to happen? Um, I think the the best way that I uh, sort of remember it without giving spoilers as well is that uh, an incident happens uh, and it's almost like this, um, you know, like court case or trial. Uh, yeah. And it's, um, I think it's four different people. You get the, what they thought it was 
and you get the enactments okay, cool. um, of what their take on the story was. Cool. Yeah. And it's, it's, I remember keen. it being a little bit funny as well. Because you sort of like, oh, hang on. Like, is that what actually happened? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool, cool. Excellent. All right. Well, I see no other reason than just to jump straight into this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. For those of you at home, pop in your DVDs and prepare your own version of the story as we prepare to watch Rashomon. Let's get Rashomon with it. Oh, no. Hello everybody, Stephen Platt here, just letting you know about another up-and-coming project from Thoughtjar Productions. It's called Atlantis. It's a science fiction radio play series that's being staged in Perth, Western Australia, between August the 21st and October the 4th. If you're a fan of comedies such as Red Dwarf, Black Adder and Blank Books, and also a fan of science fiction properties such as Doctor Who and Star Trek, then think of all of those things mashed up and set in an underwater city. That is Atlantis. If you live in the Perth area and would like to come along, please visit atlantisradioplay.com. It's going to be a very exciting and fun series, and I think that you'll all enjoy it. And for those of you listening outside of the Perth area, whether that's somewhere else in Australia or indeed international, you're not going to be left out either. Because it's a radio play, all of the performances are going to be recorded live and then redistributed as audiobooks here on the internet. So if you'd like to listen into the show, you can also get information at the following website, atlantisradioplay.com. And of course, make sure that you like the Thought Jar Productions Facebook page. There'll be updates there too. And now, back to the podcast. And welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Rashomon. Rashomon! Oh, you're my best friend (laughs) in a world we must defend. Or maybe not because the world is cruel. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yes, Rashomon, joined again by Patrick Downs and Rihanna Hall. Hey. Patrick, that was your first time watching Rashomon. Was, yeah. How do you feel? Um, good. (laughs) Like, (laughs) little like... (laughs) You know, a little dejected, but then maybe not, mm. you know, because there's babies. Yep. <laughs> and babies are good. Babies are you know, inherently good. Babies are, are inherently good and you, you take them in and maybe you're not such a bad person. Mm. I mean, It's a fresh start. You yeah, know? yeah. Babies are like new life. <laughs> yeah. Reinvigoration. Yeah. Potentially. Yeah. But you, you don't feel too chipper after watching uh, Rashomon? No, no, I'm okay. I think I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Um, no, but it's, I think, I think that ending was pretty, um, very deep. Mm. Yeah, it's left me feeling very ponderous. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a deep film. This is my first time watching it yeah. as well, yeah. and it's my initial reaction is kind of like, well, it was fine. Yeah, I, I, it was fine. Like as a film, it's as a film particularly for the time period it's from, it's very well put together. Yes, I think it's generally quite a good movie. Um by my 21st century millennial sensibilities, mm-hmm. it's a little slow. A, a tad. Um but getting going past all that, there's a lot going on beneath the surface and it's a very 
as we said, very deep film. It's not afraid to explore some pretty um, dense issues, you know, mm. justice and perception and yeah. good and bad and hopelessness and all mm. those kind of things. And obviously uh, truth is yeah. obviously one yeah. of the big ones. Yeah. And in, in a way, such a good choice of film for 2018. Your first time watching it since... Um, uh, you studied it at yes. university. How how do you feel now? You're a few years on watching this film in a, in a sort of non-study capacity. How how was it for you? Yeah, I think um, I think it was a bit different watching it this time round. Um, there were obviously there were bits that I kind of was like, oh yeah, that's right, on oh, this guy and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I think a few of the um, the the issues about like honor and things like that that don't really sort of relate to maybe like an Australian culture of, mm. you know, like, especially not in this day of, you know, like, oh, you have slept with two men now, even though she was actually oh, raped. Oh, two men, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like, therefore, like, my honour is better than, it's, yeah. you know, it's better for me to walk away from this than to, yeah. you know, help you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, was, that, that bit was a yeah. real like, oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, you have been with two men. It's yeah. like, whoa, man. Not my like, choice. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Like, oh my god, yeah. two whole men. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it is interesting and it's probably a really good point to to hit on the the general um cut and thrust of the story is that this is essentially a court case that we're seeing or, mm. or proceedings yep. in feudal Japan of a man's a samurai's body has been found yep. dead in in the woods. Um and we know that he was traveling with his wife and that they encountered a bandit, and that this led to uh, the samurai's death. Yep. Uh, the bandit, uh, Tajimaro, well-known local trouble causer, uh, yeah. referred to at various points as a womanizer, bandit, miscreant, uh, yeah. general shitbag, is essentially <laughs> yeah. what it seems to be. But like, yeah, one of those charming ones. Yeah, Slightly, yeah. Um, that was sort of the impression you get throughout the movie, is that he's sort of this charming bandit who, you know, mm. perhaps the... the, the Japanese version of you know the the roguish highwayman yeah but then you kind of see the truth of it yeah. in the last section of the film yeah it goes from being dick turpin to just a dick basically <laughs> yeah they, they, did, they did that in such a strange way because they were saying like oh he's known as like a womanizer and like he's charming yeah but then he'd have like random bouts of mad laughter and you're like is is that charming yeah or is and that yeah. loose, or is he actually a just loose? A bit mental yeah. and a lot of and fleas a bit of a scumbag yeah like the slapping of himself because there's fleas or insects yeah, on it yeah yeah it's great and this this uh part of uh tajimaru was played by um tashira mifune who is obviously like kurosawa's kind of go-to guy yeah. Yeah, um it's a good performance yeah. i think so he's probably yeah. the most engaging performance yeah. in the whole film yeah um i also thought the commoner who is kind of the guy so the movie's kind of set it there's like three mm. sections there's like the flashbacks there's the courtroom scenes and then there's the three men just generally chatting yeah. in mm. the middle of taking shelter from the rain mm. and there's so there's the woodcutter who we kind of see he's one of the he's one of the witnesses mm. as is the priest and then there's a commoner who's just kind of runs into them basically yeah yeah i thought he was really interesting as well he was yeah because i he, liked him it was interesting he was, yeah he was like the skeptic he was mm. sort of like represent every person sort of every man 
Until he steals clothes from a baby and then you're like, oh, actually. But even then I kind of understood that. You know, it's like, you know, that the whole place where that, where all those scenes happened, it was in the middle of a rainstorm. Mm. They're in this rundown old building with yeah. leaks and everything. Mm. And he just kind of fit that quite well. It's like he, was, he felt quite relatable in that sense. Oh, I don't know. I hated him. Yeah, I, I hated No, I didn't like him, but he, no, yeah. I, I understood him quite clearly. Yeah. You know, mm. I understood where he was coming from. Yeah, and I think it was interesting having these these three characters, um, the, the woodcutter, the priest, and the commoner, who were all essentially just um, reviewing this other story and reviewing it from these different aspects. You had the priest who was very, quite clearly going through a crisis of faith because mm. he, he was realising that the world may not be savable, may even be yeah. hell. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you have the woodcutter who's got, we find out right at the end, has got six kids. And as he keeps like, saying, he just doesn't want to get involved. Yeah, doesn't he, want to get involved, but like you know, he's just trying to survive. Uh, yeah. Now, I've never been a woodcutter before. No, can't say I have either. But he did walk past quite a lot of trees to see. Yeah, this. but they weren't they weren't the right oh, trees. Okay. I I'm actually just, I, had I don't a note I don't know either. About that first <laughs> sequence of of you know going into the flashback, um, and he's walking through the woods, and that was a long take as well the whole that whole section it's, of him yeah walking. it is very long I that's remember, very old school cinema yeah, though like, i remember like tuning out and then tuning back in and being like oh no i haven't missed anything okay, okay we're good <laughs> yeah yeah that fir- you're right that first yeah. that first bit did take a really yeah. long time yeah although i think it was quite good in setting up the fact that this was a very isolated area yeah yeah, um, yeah true and you know was Despite the fact it was in black and white, um, I was still visually engaging. Yeah, you know, it, it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that not purely because you know I need color to be engaged, but because a lot of the techniques at, at the time um, was essentially just I'll just show a wide shot of the area for 20, 30 seconds with someone moving through it. Yeah. Then we'll cut to a mid shot for another fifteen. Then we'll cut to a close up yeah, where something yeah. happens. Whereas this was multiple shots lots of different perspectives mm. showing the woodcutter you know sort of struggling a bit to get through the forest but, yeah. but doing okay i i it was long and i was kind of like okay we get it you're in a forest yeah <laughs> but at the same time it wasn't poorly done no i guess yeah. if you think back to yeah. a 1950s audience they'd be like oh yeah we're with this guy we're, mm. we're following him deep into the forest you mm. know and i don't know much about cinema history especially in a technical regard but it did seem like there's a lot of um, camera movement mm. compared to films from this era that I've seen before. And particularly, you know, there's, it seems like there's even dolly shots and, you know, shots where you kind of pan in a semicircle from one yeah. character's perspective all the way around to another. And I don't know if that's was new at the time or if that's something he kind of spearheaded. Mm. I don't know. But it did stand out for me as something that I'm not used to seeing mm. In well, old black and white films. It was one of the earliest films that used a handheld camera technique. Right. Um, okay, cool. Because obviously cameras, I mean, they still are, but previously, you know, the only cameras around were giant. And yeah. Yeah, trying yeah. to move a big old, big old movie camera through the forest would have been tricky, but they found a way to do it and do it in this handheld style. And I think it worked very well. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think that's partly why it maybe doesn't feel like such an old film. And this film is almost 70 years old at the yeah. time of recording. Yeah. And it feels, it feels more recent than some of the other films that, that we've reviewed on this podcast from, <laughs> from uh, 20 years later. Um, yeah. You know, if it were in color, I think you could maybe pass it off as even being like a film that was made in the seventies. I'd believe that. Yeah. Yeah. I'd it's, believe it, yeah. yeah. It's, and 
I think the thing with Rashomon, though, and the reason that we chose to focus on it today is is the story. Um, it is yeah. it is a very well constructed story, yeah, and yeah. quite compelling. And obviously, it led to the creation of the terminology, the Rashomon effect, which is where you have a story which is different from everyone's perspectives. Yeah, um, and I don't really know whose story I believe the most. I, yeah, I was thinking that because as I was kind of like taking notes throughout, I'm like, oh yeah, like the woodsman did it and stuff, and you know, you kind of. Well, yeah, it. I thought he was the one who was actually yeah. who'd actually killed the guy, especially because he was so secretive at first. Yeah, he was like I don't want to get involved, and you're like, you did it, didn't you? Sly yeah, bastard. why did you kill him? <laughs> yeah. But then you're also like, maybe the woman did do it. I can see. Yeah. If I was in that situation, I would probably do it if my husband was like staring at me and being like. You have failed me. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, screw you, You man. whore. Yeah. How dare you get raped? It's so like... I'm like, yeah, she can do it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's also an interesting point as well. I mean, we, we, we will get on to, I, I guess, who, whose version <laughs> we believe the most. Yeah. But, I mean, the, the only sort of universal facts across the story are the bandit encounters the samurai and mm. his wife. He somehow gets the samurai tied up. Um, he then... Rapes the wife. I think in all four versions, it's it's rape. No, no. In in Tajamaro, is that his yeah. name? In his version, he, he seduced her. her. Oh yeah, he, he seduces yeah. her. That's it right. was still very rapey. It was that yeah. it's that great thing you get in old movies where it's like I just got to kiss this woman and just yeah. you know, yeah. and then she'll fall in love with me. Yeah, yeah. So, it's like you know, fortunately they didn't go down that path. It was okay. just his yeah. Yeah. his twisted version of what okay. happened. Well, in yeah. 2018 sensibilities, it was four rapes, but, but it I, was I, four I, rapes. I, I, yes. I agree. Yeah. Yes. So, but I in he, in his mind, it was a seduction. Yeah. And that it finished. I don't know if the woman said that though. I don't know if the woman just said that. Um, he just like kissed her. Hmm. Well, it was sort of implied, I think, across all four stories that her mm. honour was besmirched, and that generally yeah. only comes with sexual congress. I yeah. don't think it comes with... Ooh, sexual like congress. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, sexual congress. It's my favourite uh, political uh, yeah. <laughs> thing. I know it's a proper term. It's just funny. Yes, I know. <laughs> Sorry, my fuddy-duddy Britishness coming through. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so... Sexual congress. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, yeah. So, but, so... so that happens, and the only other sort of unifying thing that happens is the death of the samurai. Yeah, that's really the only yeah. stuff we know for sure. Mm. But yeah. it, the, the fact, and the the one thing I wasn't expecting was that we were going to hear from the samurai who was dead. Yes. I like that. Yeah, yeah. it that was, was nice. Cool. It was I, actually done like believably as well. Like it, you kind of when they're coming into it, and it's like the seer's point of view, and you're like, oh, here we go. But then you're actually when you're watching it, you're like, this is actually, yeah, you know. Why would this be made up? And, yeah. Should we basically yeah. just quickly summarise what happened in the sense that, like, the story is about a samurai who was murdered and yeah. the court so, case yeah. from four different people's yeah. point of view. So the first person in the court case is the bandit. The bandit says, yeah, I killed him, but I didn't want to kill him. I just wanted to steal his wife. Yeah, and then we had, a, had an honourable duel. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and we I crossed swords 23 times. Yeah. And I was impressed because the record was 20 for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we hear from the wife's perspective who basically... Um, has said that after, um, uh, after she was raped, the bandit like fled. Yeah, and then she went back to her husband, and the husband was looking at her yeah. full of shame yeah. and fury, and, and she she loathing. Loathing was the hand. word. Yeah, loathing. Oh, loathing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then yeah, she faints, and when she wakes up, he's, he's got a her dagger. dagger, dagger <laughs> in his chest. Yeah, somehow. and she yeah. was holding it just before she fainted. Yeah. Oh. 
uh, and then obviously from uh, the the Dead Samurai's story as told through a medium, um, he commits suicide out of the shame yeah. of this fault befalling his family. And then we get the woodcutter version, who basically says. It's kind of a mix of a lot of what they yeah, said. Yeah. They just had a really crap fight for about seven minutes. It yeah. just rolled over a lot of it the turned, time. It, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a petty fight mm. over a woman. Like I expected more technique from a samurai. But I kind of like that. So going bandit. back to, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but going back to which one we believe, I kind of believe that one. Mm. Yeah, because they weren't showy or anything. There was nothing glamorous. No, just... one looked, no one came out of it looking good. No, yeah. yeah. The lady was trying to play both of them off against each other. The bandit was just a dirty, like literally a dirty scumbag. And the samurai was a coward. Not a good samurai. Yeah, yeah, and they were both terrible fighters. Yeah. And also that he didn't... The the woodcutter story was consistent in that he didn't want to get involved Mm. because we find out he has six kids and he only told it outside of the courtroom. Yeah. So I believe him... Mm. I don't yeah, know about I you also, guys. I do wonder though, because he's like, I don't want to get involved, but I'm like, mate, you are involved. Uh, <laughs> and like, you yeah. kind of, like, you were there as a witness anyway. So you told a cert, like a little bit of the truth and then just stepped away. Yeah. Like, when yeah. you know who did it, wouldn't you just be like, yeah, like I saw it, he did it, but I suppose, because he, we then find out at the end that he stole the, the little pearl dagger to mm. sell it. I'm assuming to feed his kids, so maybe he doesn't want that to be found yeah. out. Yeah, it's yeah, it's tricky. I think I think the story is set up to make you believe the woodcutter's version. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that's what it is. But I also like the fact that both the commoner and the priest express doubts after hearing it. That's yeah. true. Because they're both just like... Yeah. Mm, I, obviously, I think maybe for more personal reasons, particularly for the priest, who's like... You're a shitbag too. I can't believe <laughs> yeah, come this. On. Oh, give give a priest a break. You know that kind of thing. Um, and then, likewise, you have the very skeptical commoner, who, in a lot of ways, is correct in like calling out the hypocrisy of the woodcutter after he tries mm. to steal the kimono. Yeah, and yeah. he says, "But you stole the knife," and then slaps yeah. him on the head and goes, "Ah, ha, ha, ha. yeah, um, yeah." And it's it it is interesting seeing how the commoner who is probably the only character in this film who is happy. Um, yeah, because he's not trying to kind of hold up a facade. Yeah. He's just completely let... You're going to get the sense that this society, where this Rashomon hmm. town, I guess, is the name of the place where it all takes place, Yeah, is the impression I got. I might be wrong, but hmm. I felt like that was mm. what it was supposed to be, hmm. has just collapsed yeah, it's just like deteriorated basically because they yeah. talk about you know being attacked by bandits every night everything's going Play. wrong the demon is in rashomon yeah. you know that kind of stuff and he seems to be the only character who's gone screw it <laughs> every man for himself and you're right he's the only one who seems kind of happy but i also think that just because he is happy he's also shown in a very negative light because he's quite selfish yeah i feel yeah. as though like the priest and the woodcutter are both shown to be characters who are still trying to care for others yeah um, you know oh, we, yeah, see, we sure. see when they find the baby which to be honest is a bit of a left turn to, to finish <laughs> on yeah i was a bit like where's this going yeah like, of like introducing something new in a conclusion isn't it yeah, like, <laughs> yeah but but at the same time you know once it's introduced it's like yeah okay no it makes sense this is a world where people would abandon a baby hmm. because yeah. yeah for you know the world's not great um yeah, yeah. I, and I do have to say, I loved how messed up the gate looked, the Rashomon gate. Yeah. It yeah. was 
Yeah. Super cool. It I, was. Uh, yeah. That and, that set was looked awesome. Yeah. And like the the establishing shots with the rain and the bits of rubble, you're like, ooh, what's happened here? And then you pull back and half the gate's just all messed up. Yeah. With the exposed beams. You're like, what happened? Yeah. Here? This is yeah. great. And it's never explained. In a lot I of think, ways, it's like Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I think half of it is that the, the commoner ripping it up to make a fire. <laughs> that was cool. I like that. He's like, like, how many days yeah. has he been there just doing that? Yeah. He's just rip, ripping bits just of door off. To, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was a nice complete gate until he kept yeah. He just came along. <laughs> He's, He's like, like, man, I'm cold. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take this door. <laughs> Yoink. Yeah. It's, um, but it, it, yeah, it's, it, it, I mean, it, I, the, the more I think about it, the more I think, okay, no, this is a good film. I think this is yeah. a, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's certainly an engaging film. It is. Um, yeah, and, yeah and, for sure. And you're right. It, it is about looking at those ideas and going, do you want to be like the commoner who is happy but kind of a scumbag? Do you want to be like the priest who is tormented by everything around him and just sort of grasps onto like the last bit of decency he can find, which is the woodcutter taking the baby? And he initially yeah. rejects that because he's like, no, don't take the only thing that's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Or do you want to be like the woodcutter who is just doing what, he needs to do to, to look after his family. Yeah, because yeah, it's he's kind of a slight expansion on the. It's like they're almost three. Okay, I'm getting a bit theoretical, Ooh. but it's almost like they're kind of. They each look after a different aspect of what it means to be a, a person, you know. Mm. So the common is like look after yourself. The woodcutter is like look after your your family and the people mm. close to you, and then the priest is from the perspective of look after humanity as a whole. Yeah. I'm sure we could tie this into like an id ego super ego thing. Yeah, like I'm that. trying to do that, but I can't. I, I guess it kind of fits. Yeah, but I feel like that's what now just talking about. I'm like, oh, that's kind of what I guess what those guys were sort of representing. Mm. Like, I am curious though, because they never say. What is the finding of the trial like? If you were the 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 judge yeah, or the, yeah. the jurors or however the system was set up, I think did they end up. Um doing the the bandit because even he admitted to it and mm. was like you're going to have my head anyway so like It'd be here the we easy go one, wouldn't it? yeah and then there was uh who else said it was the bandit i feel like someone else did well the the, the woman said that oh, she fainted she fainted and when she woke oh, yeah, up the knife was there really said it. It was yeah. well it was the bandit woodsman, and, and yeah the woodsman said that the bandit trial, did it but though. he didn't confess yeah. that in court yeah, yeah. so yeah in terms of the court yeah. thing it would have been well the bandit says he did it. The woman says she might have done it. And the ghost says he did it. Yeah. It's like everyone wants to take responsibility for the murder. Yeah. yeah. So you just go, ah, the bandit probably did it. Yeah. Gavel. Which, which one's the worst one? Yeah. We'll yeah. Go bandit. We're going we're to hang him anyway. Yeah. So, all right, you did it. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. And I think mm. it's, yeah, it, it's, it's very well put together. I also, I did find that bit funny, which I'm only just remembering now about how the bandit was captured. Um, Cause that really didn't come back about the guy who mm. captured the va- the bandit. And he was like, no. he fell off his horse. No, I didn't. I drank from a poison lake. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably a sneaky snake up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought he was snake. meant to get shot by an arrow. And I'm like, oh, that, so those, those arrows look really dodgy. But it's, oh, no, that was just like, that was sitting in his quiver. So that makes sense. But I was like, he's, and I'm like, oh, where's this going? He's been attacked by someone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah no, he's, he's just, just no. got the runs. Just, well, <laughs> yeah. 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 I also. It was interesting, and I guess this is maybe more, maybe more of a cultural thing. But how 
many physical cues were in this film in terms of the performance. Like, not just the laughing that was like, ah, ha, 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 from both <laughs> yeah. him and from uh, the woman when mm. she goes a bit doolally. And the commoner as well. And the commoner, yeah. laughs her mm. a lot. But also, like, the use of, like, um, like hisses or spitting. Because yeah. she full-on spits on uh, the yeah. band. Right in his mouth. Yeah. yeah. It went right in his mouth. Yeah. At least it looked like it did. Yeah, it's super gross. Yeah. Um, but also, like, other I mean, he physical... did rape her, so yeah. you know. Oh, you know what? Fair point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bit of a double. Oh, don't spit in her mouth. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, should be locked up for that. Yeah. Uh, but, but in terms of uh, things like the way these actors were interacting with each other, and particularly the fight, even though we, we did joke before and said it was a bit crap, they kept falling over. No, 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 but that, I think that was the idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, yeah. but also, like, the, the the way they showed fear, that they were both... Oh, yeah, they were shaking. ...scared yeah. of having to fight. Like, because this bandit's like, I'm fighting a samurai, oh no. And the samurai's like, I'm fighting this mighty bandit. Yeah. Oh, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I think there were some great physical performances in there. Yeah. Yes, I agree. I think there was a... Um, also, the, the, the medium, mm. the, 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 the mm. you know, Seer character yeah. had a lot of swaying and dance-like movements yeah. and like to kind of conjure up the spirits and yeah, everything. Yeah, bits where like, they, they fell down and like span around on their hands. Yeah, and yeah. It was interesting. And one of the, th- the points from the uh, trivia uh, troll, which we're about to get into, cool. is that, um, in fact, you know, let's just launch it now. Let's yeah, let's do it. Trivia, trivia time. <laughs> trivia time. It's all time for trivia time. <laughs> Yay! Akira Kurosawa, who uh, is the director, asked Toshiro Mifune, who played the bandit, to model his character's movements after wildlife, particularly lions. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, Kurosawa's version of how a lion was supposed to move was heavily influenced by a wildlife documentary that he watched from the husband and wife team, Martin and Ozza Johnson, who... um, Apparently did documentaries back then. Okay. Uh, But yeah, so I I was keeping an eye out for that because I had read this before for seeing the the bandits movement, whether they were lion-like. I suppose, yeah, like when he was like, um, when he first came into contact with the couple and he's like sleeping next to the tree and, you know, shooing away flies. It was kind of like animal-like. And then when he decided to go for her, he was like circling almost, you know, his prey and like Hmm. stalking it and... So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, This film is often credited as the reason that the Academy uh, created the best foreign film category. Oh, oh yeah, cool. cool, cool. Which, you know, is probably fair. Um, it's it's a great film. And, you know, if, if you were... Yeah. If you I were... think I can... Re- I, it's like, for, for, for my few little gripes with it, you know, being a bit slower and all that stuff, mm. like, I can appreciate how important it is. It's one of those movies I can watch and go, yeah, I, I, I get why this was so revolutionary yeah. and why it's such a, an important piece of cinema history. Like, I, I get it. But yeah, it was it was interesting, their use of, of sunlight and particularly the way they lit the forest. Because um, ev- even during High Noon, there were parts of the forest that the crew um, couldn't really shoot in because it was too dark because right. it was so dense. Mm. Um, so rather than use like a regular foil reflector, um, they borrowed a full-length mirror from the costume department and bounce light from that mirror through leaves and trees to try and make it look like natural sunlight. And I think it looked pretty good. I think so. I didn't notice that there was any, like, dark patches or anything. No, I mean, like, I had assumed, especially from the the shots that you got um, with, like, the beads of sweat, you know, down their, like, faces, that they were pretty much in heavy sunlight. Mm. Um, yeah. But I wonder if that was added to it to make it look like that way. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, pro- possibly, yeah. To be like the difference between that 
and the the rainy broken down yeah mm-hmm. it was really interesting mm-hmm. how like because so obviously the ru- ru- the bits taking place in Rashomon were pouring with rain mm. the bits taking place in the courthouse were bright daylight mm. at least they, I, I assumed it was meant I to be outside so. I think Do you guys it was, think, I think yeah. it was yeah. external yeah and then the all the forest stuff was in the middle happened in the middle obviously because it's all happening at the same mm. time mm. presumably but I wonder if that was a very distinct choice as well as to contrast the flashback scenes with the yeah. current scenes in terms of the weather and well, Kurosawa used a lot of like weather uh, symbolically right throughout a lot of his films um, so the fact that like this story this heavy story is being told while there's heavy rain and it only really lets up when they find a baby and the woodcutter's going to redeem no, at least his humanity yeah. so it, I mean it could be tied into part yeah. of that but yeah, yeah. I, I also think it just helped distinct what was a flashback and what wasn't yeah, I think yeah. that was actually quite useful in that. That's probably true. Yes, mm. that makes sense. Um, speaking of the rain, uh, the downpour scenes at the Rashomon Gate, um, the raindrops weren't really showing up uh, against the backdrop because the backdrop was light grey, and right. obviously it's a black and white film, so it yeah. kind of doesn't look great. Uh, so to solve this problem, the crew tinted the rain by pouring black ink into the tank of the rain machine. Whoa. Um, and there are points in the film where you can see ink is very clearly on like some of the actors' faces, like That's on the cool. woodcutter's face. But it showed it showed up wow. very well. It, I mean, the thing it looked I didn't notice that it, it looked like rain. Hmm. Yeah, it's really clever. I wonder what what the place looked like afterwards, though. I so no, I, I wish I, I wish there was like colorized <laughs> photos yeah. from like, those days. It'd be, yeah, it'd be. Like, it's a like giant being squid. attacked by yeah, I was gonna say being attacked by a giant yeah. squid. Like. Yeah. And like, how hard was that to clean afterwards as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. Man. Yeah. Just someone running around with a load of tipex just <laughs> on the set, yeah. getting it all off. Um, and speaking of rain, the final bit of trivia, and this one interests me the most. Um, in his autobiography, Kurosawa recalled that one of the biggest problems his crew encountered whilst filming in the forest was slugs, specifically. Ooh. Slugs that kept dropping from the trees and onto their heads. Gross. Yeah. So, you know, you're in the middle of that super intense sword fight. And then, slug on the head. Yeah. Um, slug head. Yeah. The crew and the cast had to constantly slaver themselves in salt to keep the slugs away. <laughs> wow. That's cool. I That's just, I, it never occurred to me that there was a forest in Japan where slugs just sort of rained down periodically, but I kind of want to see it now. So they were yeah, just, the they, Japanese were like, slug they were forest. just covering themselves with salt. Yeah. Is that, doesn't salt like withdraw like moisture? Maybe that's why they were sweating so much. Probably, yeah. <laughs> they've just got it was probably like faces. super hot in this forest. <laughs> like super hot, dehydrated. Yeah, <laughs> covered in salt and you're running around flailing a sword. Yeah, no mm. wonder they were fighting yeah. so terribly. They were actually mm. just like, oh. Maybe, yeah, maybe they kept slipping because there was just slug bombs <laughs> yeah. on the ground. Because Sarah actually wanted a really tight choreographed fight scene. Yeah. He's like, you know what? Screw it. Screw <laughs> it. We did 20 takes and that yeah, was sure. the best one. When the, the woman screams at the end, she's actually just had a big slug <laughs> dropped on her and that's actually her running away. She's yeah, like, no, yeah, I'm done. Yeah, she's, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, ultimately, to, to sort of sum up, it's not a very long film. No, it's, it's, it is very short. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and in a way like this, this is probably not going to be a very long episode reviewing it because no, it's... I think all the discussion about the film is about the is about that multiple points of view. Yeah. 
And I think looking at it in the modern context, I suppose, of, you know, we, we live in a world where people discuss the fact that society is, is post-factual, that it's, that it's a world we of fake news. We literally all understand now terms like fake news yeah. and alternative yeah. facts. Yeah. And, like, these are things, these are terms that have meaning mm. in the modern age, which is mm. just very scary in its own right. Yeah. Did you feel, though, because you're immersed in, in a society where mm. this is an issue... Did you feel as though you were able to latch on to what the film was trying to say quicker? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you think about this coming out in 1950, and I'm thinking about, you know, Western places like Britain and, and America when they received this film, and people loved this film when it came out as well. Yeah. Like, they were absolutely loving it. Um, but it would have almost been, n- like, not a thought to go, oh, the news is lying. You know, the BBC might not be telling the truth. That I wonder of... though, because that was like that was sort of the big, the early rumblings of the Cold War. Hmm. You know, like there was some, there was it was a very tumultuous time. But I wonder if they had the same doubts, yeah, yeah, for, of their of their own information sources that, as we do now. Yeah, you know, but I, I mean, again, I'm projecting what I know of the past just based yeah. on, on learning. But my, my feeling is that those individual nations, those societies were more, I suppose, trusting of, of their governments because, what you mean. Yeah. because they had a direct yeah. opposition. Like the Americans were fighting the Ruskies, you know, yeah. it, was, it was that kind of thing um, where I suppose it was more of an us and them, whereas now the le- the, the them is inside the house speak, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it's the other political But then I party. wonder if there's still a bit of that because they were, you know, they were hunting you know, reds under the bed kind of thing. Yeah. Like we're looking for communists yeah. in our own, in our own country. So, you know, while they still might've believed the media, mm. there was still that internal, like anyone could be lying about anything because yeah. we're always, we're on the lookout for communists. Mm. So there's still like, it's a different kind of paranoia and fear, but it, it runs parallel to what I think we're going through at the moment, yeah. you know? I think maybe that's why it was so popular because there was a bit of that, like mm. it did ring true because there was a sense of fear and, you know, is my next door neighbor really my next door neighbor? Mm. Are they telling me the truth kind of thing? Or are they a spy? Yeah. Or are they a spy? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it is interesting, but yeah, it was just watching at various points during this film while watching it. I went, this feels oddly relevant. Yeah. yeah. It really does. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. If you're listening at home, Go and watch it. Go and watch Rashomon. <laughs> yep. uh, it might not be a good time in terms of emotionally nourishing. Bomb yourself out a little bit. It's, but, no, it's no Disney film, you know. No, certainly. <laughs> but it's, it's, at the very least, it's engaging. Yes, um, for sure. I, before we move on to the scores, uh, this was a return to a subtitled film. So, so far we've uh, watched a subtitled film, then a dubbed film, and now a subtitled film. And I just want to get um, both of your opinions on... On do you have a preference when it comes to foreign language films? Oh, I much prefer a subtitle. Yeah. I think I've only, I haven't actually properly seen many dubbed films, mainly because I just get too frustrated. Um, yeah. I think I'd rather, and I'm not that much of a fan of watching like subtitles, um, but I think, I think things have to be in their native language. I don't, I yeah. don't like watching yeah. this. I think language is is such important in that because once it is translated um, to an English language, some of the words can get a bit yeah. mixed up and it doesn't sound mm. as 
true. Yeah. Yeah. They, they might say think things like sexual congress and you get very confused. <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, Pat, did you have a preference? For I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm definitely mm. a subtitle. I mean, I'm quite a, just a subtitle guy anyway, even in English films, because I'm a, I'm a little bit hard of hearing, mm. so I'll stick them on anyway. Mm. Um, not always, but but often. Yeah. yeah. Um, just because so, it's easier. And I don't have that problem that some people complain about where they go, well, I miss what's happening. I miss the action. Can yeah. I read the subtitles? <laughs> yeah. I don't get that same... So no, I'm definitely I, I agree yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. I it's a it's a it's a much better thing I think to 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 have the subtitle because yeah. like you said, it otherwise it just you kind of lose you lose the sense. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. even though I had no idea, obviously I don't speak any Japanese. Yeah. I still understood the yeah. tone and the context mm. of what they were, of how they were delivering their lines. Mm. Yeah. It, it, Gave you a lot of clues into what this scene's meant to be about. Yeah, because uh, some people. Because some argue, things are universal. Yeah, you know? some yeah. some people would argue that if you you might be able to hear what a Japanese voice is is saying, and you might feel as though you can read it tonally, but tones are different between cultures. Mm. So you might be reading sure, one tone sure. as being aggressive, but it's actually because that sounds aggressive in English. However, I do agree with you. There is some universe universalness to yeah, to listening yeah. to that. Mm. Um, and as people have been listening to the series all know, I think uh, if it's live action sub, if it's animated dub, I think. Um, oh yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> for, for me, generally, I think animated features. I do want to be looking at at the screen more. Fair enough. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm you know, it's not. I'm not going to not watch an, <laughs> a foreign language animation if it's got subtitles, but I think dubbing is more. Um, it, it's got more of a place there if it's a film that is visually. Yeah, it engaging. seems like it's more forgiving as well. Yeah, yeah. but also I can read quite quick. Is in like you know well, I don't. So, yeah, so can I. Exactly. I didn't want. I didn't want to say. I don't want to say. Want to, <laughs> want to, want to, I'm actually a really fast reader. <laughs> yeah. but, but but yeah, I'm with you on that one. Like yeah. there is a little bit of that where you go, cool. I've read that sentence. It'll disappear in a few yeah. seconds. Gonna look at the screen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> at the can. same, but at the same time, I can also see why people would not want that. They yes, yeah. I get that as well. Yeah, because yeah. there is that little little extra level of concentration when it comes to watching these films. Yeah. But I also think that it, it does, you, it engages you a bit more because you are focusing in on it. You can't just yeah, like yeah. look away at your phone or something that, mm. you know, like in this age, you know, like we do. Yeah. Um, and, and we all did at some point during this movie. Like, yeah. Yeah. We yeah. all looked at our phone because that's just what mm. we do. Well, the Uber Eats came, so you <laughs> well, know, that's I had true. to do yeah, that, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but then that, you know, it was also, I think this film, weirdly, again, being quite prescient for the day, big sections of talking followed by big sections of, of not silence, mm. but of, of atmosphere building, like the fight ooh, sequences ooh, or the ooh. stalking through the forest. It's a great time to check your phone, guys, if you need to yeah. part way through this film. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, like the action. The, if, you, if you're going to watch this movie, don't worry about missing out on any of the action. Yeah, because because the sword fights are, are not great. <laughs> they're not great, but you know, but they're not meant to be. Yeah, but in, they're not great. <laughs> in a way, it felt more like a play. You know how yeah, stage yeah, combat, yeah. when you're watching a live play, it's generally not wonderful. Yeah, like compared Ooh, to films. You know what else? I we didn't talk about. It, but you know what else makes it feel like a play is in those courtroom scenes. You never see. I guess the judges. Yeah. yeah, it's all. It's just pretty much one shot. It moves around a bit, hmm. but it's all pretty much one shot, looking straight at the actors who are delivering their testimonies. Yeah, and they are saying like, "Oh, what's that? Yeah, was there a sword? <laughs> no, that? I didn't see a sword. <laughs> you know, again, it, it's yeah. very theatrical. Yeah, it's you know? and it's a very small cast. Cause it is. Yeah, you, you. I think there's maybe nine, ten actors in total. Probably. Like it's for a ninety-minute film. Even then, that's that's not a lot of actors. No, no. 
Um, and even then, there's one or two that are only in one scene. Like the guy yeah. who captures the bandit who just comes in and goes, I yeah. found this guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you could adapt like, it to the stage quite easily. I, I feel like in, in that sense as well, they could have done that. Um, like not shown any judges or juries because the audience is supposed to be the judge and jury. So it's automatic oh, in yeah, a movie right. to look at someone, like look at someone to tell you what's going on. So yeah. I feel like if there was a judge and he's like, mm, I don't believe that, mm. then you're like, yeah, neither. No, I don't believe it either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're totally right. I didn't yeah. even think of that. Yeah. yeah. Great point. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more the more we discuss it, the more I think it's a clever film. So yeah, me too. Yeah, my initial reaction was like, meh. But now we're talking about it. My like, oh no, it's definitely gone up in my estimation. Yeah. But yeah, I think you could really adapt it to the stage quite oh, easily. Yeah. I wonder if anyone has. Yeah, I'm sure it must have been done. I reckon. If you know, um, send us an email. Send us an email. Yeah, yeah you it's, can. Uh, you can call Steve. Here's his actual number. Yeah, uh, it is. No, it's not. His address well, is. <laughs> well, I mean, if you would like to get in touch and talk about this film, or indeed any film that we've covered on the podcast, or any film that we may cover in the future, uh, you can contact us on Facebook. Just search for the Thought Jar Productions page, or you can send us an email at info at thoughtjarproductions.com. Send us an email, you know, put Rashomon somewhere in the title, and, you know, we can bring it up on a later podcast if you, if you have uh, some, some interesting thoughts um, regarding this. Let's give them a score, though. Let's, let's do it. Let, let's yeah. score this, this is film. This hard bit. <laughs> well, we'll let Patrick go first, yeah. then, because it was his first time watching it. Yeah. What are you giving Rashomon out of 10? I'm going to give it eight pearl-inlaid daggers mm. out of 10. Like, initially, I was... A bit like, oh, this is a bit a bit boring. Mm. Um, you know, like it's good, but a bit boring. But the more we've spoken about it, the more I've realised it's actually a really smart movie. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the few points I take off are just because it's, you know, it is a very old film. Yeah. And it's a bit slow. Yeah. I mean, the baby that they find at the end, I've worked out would be like 68 or 69 now. Like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So. Nice. If yeah. you're listening. <laughs> If, you know, Email if you, info. Hey, hey, if you are that baby. <laughs> yeah. uh, Rihanna, what score would you give Rashomon out of 10? Uh, I, yeah, I think I'm also going to do eight drop snails out of 10. Yeah. Like drop bears, but drop snails. <laughs> awesome. I, I have a slightly different perspective on what just happened. Ooh, okay. um, I, uh, in keeping with the film, yeah. I don't think I don't think all three people can give Rashomon the same score. Yeah. No, just, no, that's <laughs> thematically inconsistent. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to be going to be slightly harsher, but not by much. I'm I'm going to give it um, seven and a half inky raindrops out of out right. of ten because it's it started off lower. Um, yes. Me too. Consi- yeah. Like considerably lower. And then over the course of both the end of the film and the discussion, I've gone, actually, I can see why this was such an important film. Yeah. Mm. And beyond that usual thing that we say when we see a film that's not great, but we know why it's important, see Night of the Living Dead, for those of you who've uh, heard that one, <laughs> that is a film which doesn't really stand up by modern film standards, but you can tell why it's important. Whereas... Rashomon still holds up in a lot of ways I think so. uh, as a film and then on top of that you have what it has contributed to to the way that we tell films and tell these stories um so I, yeah seven and a half I yeah. think is, yeah I think and, my, oh, my no, rating no. was kind of going up and down throughout the film as well and I think it was at its lowest point when they're like oh like women are weak natured yeah, yeah. But yeah. Then as soon as she turned around it was like Nah, I'm like, no, I'm not. You are. They were like, what? Fight to the death. We are not weak. And they're both really pathetic. <laughs> like fragile yeah, masculinity yeah. at its finest. Absolutely. <laughs> but you're right about the ending. I think I think the ending is, is like, 
because it is mm. quite slow and it's a bit like you know there's moments like that where yeah. it's like oh what i know it's like 50, <laughs> i know it's like 70 years old but what yeah. well, it, it not only is it 70 years old oh. but it's set in feudal japan so yeah true, it's, yeah, true. Yeah. so there we, is stuff like that in there we yes. are living in the age of the yes. me too movement when you know back in the feudal japan it was me at all you know it was that yeah. kind of thing yeah. it was like do no no concept for self okay cool i'll right. wait a few yeah. centuries <laughs> me question but yeah question mark yeah. um yeah <laughs> yeah who, who to um but the ending really mm. is i mean i was gonna say the ending's essential because like der patrick gets a story but <laughs> but those slower mo- moments are justified mm. you know because it, it does all wrap up quite well um and that land that ending is quite mm. you get that uh you know, it really is a climax. It's not a particularly, you know, um, you know that 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 clumsy mm. sword fight is a climax. It's still quite exciting, even though they're both very pathetic and, and com- you know who's going to win. And you know who's going to win. Yeah. Yeah. It still managed to build up that tension, and then you get that great little epilogue back in Rashomon. Mm. Um, so the ending is, is, I think, really saves it. Mm. Well, not saves it, but. Well, it's like, yeah, it's like the sun's come out, like all is mm. kind of good, you know, like there is yeah. some humanity with the man taking home the baby. Yeah, and you understand yeah. why some of those choices that seemed yeah. a bit weird earlier on in the film were made. It all kind of ties. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Well, uh, that brings us to an end for this episode. So all it remains for me to say is thank you to Rihanna and Patrick thank for joining you. us. No worries, thanks, Dave. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for listening. As we said before, you can get in touch with us via Facebook or the email address info at thoughtjarproductions.com to leave us your thoughts on Rashomon. If you'd like to subscribe and rate this podcast, you can do so at iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And, of course, there is the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podcast. You can become an official member of the club and make a few suggestions here and there, including um, this month we are finishing our foreign language film months with a bit of Pan's Labyrinth. So, cool. yeah, cool. that was... Uh, Very good movie, that one. Yeah, if you are a, uh, a Patreon, you can make suggestions like that and maybe get them picked. Uh, but that is all for this week, so until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.